Welcome to the Love or Leave the Law podcast with your hosts, Adam Ouellette and Casey Berman. Welcome. I'm Casey Berman with my podcast partner, Adam Ouellette, here with the Love or Leave podcast. And I'm very excited to introduce our guest today, Ritu Goswami. Ritu, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks. Great. We are very excited to have you. Quickly, I met Ritu about a year, year and a half or so ago at a conference. I heard her speak and we connected. She was talking about her book, The New Billable Hour at that time, along with her other book, The Holistic Lawyer. I love the title, love that what she was talking about and told Adam that we wanted to make sure that we had her on our podcast today. And really as a background, Ritu Goswami here based in the San Francisco Bay Area is a lawyer, but also a productivity consultant for legal professionals. So she infuses her training as a lawyer, helping with productivity, her work as a social worker, her uh, as a business owner, She even does yoga and kind of infuses all of this to help attorneys deal with, besides first responders, um, you know, one of the most uh, stressful and anxious roles that are out there. So Ritu, we are so happy to have you here today. Thank you. Great to have you. First want to dive in. Why don't you talk a bit about, you know, give us a little background on yourself, what it means to be a productivity worker, and, and tell us a bit about the work that you do. Sure. So... This is my about to be 20 years lawyered. <laughs> I um, was admitted to the bar in December of 2000. So yeah, I've been a lawyer for 20 years and I have a degree in law and social work. And so that's what I did 20 years ago. And I always had the intention to do civil rights law mm-hmm. and social justice work. And so that that's what brought my, I'm originally from New York. That's what brought me out to California and to the Bay Area and specifically to do social justice work. That's what I thought you needed to do, move to the West Coast. And that's the kind of work I always did. And I noticed (laughs) among my peers, because this is like our, I thought is my dream job. And, you know, law school was one thing, but I thought when I got out there into the world, um, everything would be wonderful. I noticed the burnout, the stress, uh, how hard we're working as lawyers and in my field with not for not so much money. So it wasn't even the money that was driving us, but this, this overworking, overachieving culture. And so I was seeking out wellness modalities for myself to balance mm-hmm. myself. And so then I kind of did that like secretly because it's not cool to take care of yourself, right? <laughs> it wasn't maybe 20 years ago. Right. And so I, was, I got into yoga, like you said, I got into a philosophy called Ayurveda, which mm-hmm. is a sister science to yoga. And I was learning how to care for myself and balance myself. And I just made it a really important part of my life. And then I noticed that um, other lawyers could benefit from this. And in my program, I got certified as an Ayurvedic health counselor. I would always ask when we learned about different tools, I would ask them, I'm like, but how do we do this in the modern world? Like, that was great for ancient India. That was great for not lawyers or not overachieving professionals. But how can we do this? And they're like, "Uh, we don't know. Like our, our teachers came from India. They were like amazing, right? They had all the philosophy from the original text, but the, like the, that modern translation was missing. And so that's what I've been doing like for years. And that's what the new billable hour is. We could talk about that later. But as a productivity consultant, it's about helping lawyers see that even though we have limited time and maybe a different come from than other people who are taking care of themselves, we can still do self-care with not that much time invested. And then the ROI, the return is really high. So the pro- your productivity increases, even if you just make a little bit of time for yourself. 
I mean, we have to do self-care. It's something that we ignore and I did for many years, but literally it's, it's, we can't ignore it anymore. We have to have a a point where we say, I got to take care of myself first and foremost, because everything falls down when we're, we get sick and, you know, stress is diabolical. And for me, it was, you know, overwhelming for many years, the anxiety, the frustration, the, all of that. And, and until I decided I'm going to start to take care of myself, I need to exercise. I need to start meditating. I started doing yoga, you know, here, I, I remember my sister came over my house uh, years ago and I was doing yoga and I'm six, nine, and she started laughing her ass off. She's like, Oh my God, that's the strangest thing I've ever seen. I'm like, well, you know, you do what you got to do. You, you do what you can do. And so it was uh, yoga really, really helped me. And, but the self-care part, we just ignore it until we get to a place where we can't ignore it anymore. So I'm glad we're talking about this today because it's one of the things that lawyers have to look at and have to start implementing. Yeah. Ritu, I have a question because I'm, I'm Mr. Leave Law Behind, right? I help attorneys leave and many of them leave for, for a lot of stress. I know you align with, with the law, let's say even love the law, you've got a good practice. But I mean, still with you, what sort of stresses, anxieties, issues do you face as a lawyer, even though it's your industry and you want to want to stay there? Just a few stories would be great or, or things yeah, you yeah. go with. It's all the same. That's the thing. Yeah. And I think we talked about that day when we met. Like you can leave the law, you can love the law. There's still this relationship with the law that is very tenuous and how it's been set up is a recipe for stress and anxiety. So I just wanted to respond to what Adam was saying and, and, and answer your question is that illness, anxiety, stress, all the things in the profession, substance abuse, mental health, and everything that can lead up to suicide. These are indicators of imbalance. And so the legal profession is imbalanced, like by design, by design, it's like, okay, how much can we put out? Like it's this, this, uh, grind or this churning out. Um, How much can we churn out? Like basically trying to go against the laws of physics or, you know, the laws of like, it's just not possible, but we are are such overachievers. And I think for anyone who has chosen to be a lawyer, we already had that in us. Otherwise we wouldn't have been able to do everything we need to do. And so I think we all share that. And I've had great conversations with the two of you. For some people, they wake up and they're like, what have I done? Where am I? Like, what am I doing? But it's the same feeling for like, I was doing social justice law. Like, I love my work, but what am I doing? How did I get here? I thought I was going to be helping people and it was going to feel good and it does feel good. And then it doesn't. And so they're the same. Honestly, it's the same feeling. So I think your question was, what are the stresses if you love the law? I mean, that isn't a stress of itself, right? Like you love the law, but it's something that may be killing you. <laughs> You're like, you know, this is not sustainable, but I love it. Like anything we do, right? Any any habit or a relationship or anything where like, I really like am called to this, but it's not working. And what do you do at that point? And I'm on a mission right now to, let's. we have to change the whole profession. We have to change the profession one lawyer at a time, I guess. How are we approaching it? How are, what are we allowing to happen? What are we holding on to of the past? I yeah. think that the legal profession is more apt to hold on and not progress like other professions, but that's also the beauty of it, right? Because think about social justice, like, yeah, we want to progress, but we can't, we are also holding on to rights that were fought for before us. And we've seen, you know, I don't want to talk about politics, but just about the law. I mean, precedent, right? Precedent is so important to us. Tradition, like this is how it's been done. And we want, we, as lawyers, whether you stay as a practicing lawyer or not, we like rules. We like 
structure. We like, you know, hard fought wins that are really important, like this, this idea of awareness of each other and that we're interconnected. So I think that's the thing. I think you can love doing that work, but it's in that same pattern of overworking, overachieving, putting out more than you're giving yourself. Yeah. And it's just, it's just stressful. Like I would say the biggest stress for me and all lawyers is the pressure we put on ourselves. Yeah. I just want to say that was a fantastic point because, you know, coming from my lens, well then get the heck out. Right. And a lot of lawyers realize it's not for me. It's not what I call your unique genius. I don't really care that much. I feel like an imposter. I'm not that good at it. Okay, great. Let's take you out. Let's take your skills and strengths. They're transferable to another job. Great. You're now a chief operating officer, marketing, live happily ever after. Those are sort of what we do. But if your unique genius, if your skills and strengths really are to be a lawyer, yes, you don't want to leave, yes. but you still have this, this industry of imbalance. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, we just push ourselves so hard. And there were, it was funny, Ritu and I were talking about not liking the work, and that's part of Leave Law Behind. I, I didn't particularly like the work. And, and then when I told her that, she said, What does that mean? <laughs> and and yeah. I had to laugh because she doesn't get it. And, it. and it's nice to have somebody on here. And we, we've interviewed plenty of people that like the work. But in the end, if, if you like the work, you run into exactly what she said overwork. And you, you, you know, you, if you really like pizza, you can eat too much of it and get sick. And so the beautiful thing about what she's got going is that, you know, she, she shares within her books, you can love the work and still have balance in your life. And that to me was what I had to deal with. So tell us more about how you were able to start to balance your life with work and, and, you know, having a, a regular life too, with, without having to go into the 10, 12, 15 hour days. Yeah. And so listen to you talk right now, there's a piece that I want to acknowledge this martyr savior thing. So we do have that, the people who oh, love yeah. the law. <laughs> so maybe we, <laughs> that drives us so much and it's like, okay, yeah, maybe the, the mundane things other lawyers don't like, we welcome that because most of it's so intense. <laughs> like where people's lives is like, oh, you like writing a brief. Okay. You know, like if that gets me that result, I'll do that. So it makes, it makes the mundane things more enjoyable because of that, that drive. I got sick. It was my first job. I got hurt. I got repetitive stress um, injury. I had a workers' comp claim. That's how I got into yoga because um, I had tried everything, all the things, you know, all the physical therapy and all the the Western stuff. And then I got into yoga. I got on a reduced schedule, so I had to produce more in most time because it's right. That's how it goes. And you know, my my bosses didn't like it. And I'm like, I have a doctor's note here that I can only work six hours a day, which is a lot of hours, you guys. <laughs> it's plenty, <laughs> especially like you're working for a nonprofit with that salary. I'm like, I can do my job because what happens is we even we overwork when we're salaried. You know, it's like, OK, what are my job requirements? Oh, but can you do this? Can you do that? Can you help with that case? Can you give this training? Can you help us with fundraising? Can you? And I'm like, is that part of my job? And so I remember that exercise. I'm like, oh, wow. Like there's so much in the culture of law, like where you just you push and it's like, and if you like stand up for yourself and be like, I want to limit it, that is, it's very subversive actually and very rebellious. But I wanted to tell you a secret related to that. So years later, when I was studying Ayurveda, uh, I was learning about balance and balancing with nature. And there's certain kinds of constitutions. And one of them is the fiery one, <laughs> which the lawyers have very, very driven, smart, passionate. So it's a lot of fire energy. 
And if, and that's how we burn out. It's so, it's so clear because we just can push it and we can work so much more because we have that drive and we can go until we burn out. And other constitutions don't have that. You probably met non-lawyers. You're like, you're so Funny. great to be around. <laughs> like you enjoy life. So we don't, so I just remember a moment where um, in one of the classes, they said that as with our personalities, this kind of constitution with fire, we tend to burn out because we're at like, we work at 150%. Like that, that's what we do. Like what most people do, we could do faster, but you know, but we go, we do that and go above and beyond. And so the advice was to, to go at 75%. And I was like, oh, like pull back. <laughs> and so this is, I mean, that this is the epitome of everything we talk about today. Like that pulling back is my life's work and what I help other people do. And I think you, you, you all do that too. So that, so the balance is that we are doing it to ourselves. We are pushing past to our capacity and past it. So pulling back is like, you have to deal with all the uh, fallout from that feeling and lazy, feeling unproductive. Massive and Oh, I'm not, I, I'm not exhausted at the end of the day. Did I even do anything? And when we were, we were chit chatting before this call and you're like, you must be busy. I'm like, no, because <laughs> I like, I took that out of my, like being balanced. I'm like, I don't feel those feelings. And I, I do have to call a friend sometimes. I'm like, I feel like I'm not working <laughs> because it, it, people say I'm doing all these things. I'm like, I'm still writing. I'm still creating content. I still have my law firm, but I don't feel like I'm working. And it's taken, you know, it's like, again, very rebellious and you have to really love yourself. You have to trust yourself and change how you do things. I got introduced to Ayurveda through Deepak Chopra, and I, I understand, you know, he's Americanized it for the American audience. But ultimately, about 25 years ago, I started reading his books and listened to some of his tapes at the time, uh, and then CDs. And, uh, you know, he, he introduced me to the, that principle of, of the fire in me. And that's exactly what I was doing. I, I was I had this fire and it just I wasn't putting it out. And what I realized is, you know, backing it off, but also learning to get organized, right? I mean, the problem we have as attorneys is that we have so many files, there's so many cases, and and let's not even talk about big law and the billable hour requirements that are there. I mean, I didn't have that because I own my own firm and I still pushed. I can't imagine having the kind of billable hour requirements that big law has, but what I realized is that I had so many projects, so many files, I had litigation and transactional stuff going on at the same time. And I started to look for ways of quieting the mind. And, and because I, I learned that we do stress to ourselves, right? I mean, you, you alluded to that, Ritu, you, you said, we do it to ourselves by the push, that energy that's not balanced, that's, it's not a, a power energy, it's a push, it's a force energy. Uh, like Dr. David Hawkins talks about in Power Versus Force, amazing, amazing book. But the the thing for me was I, I wanted to find out how to be more productive. And there's best books on productivity I've ever found, and I've searched out high and low. It's called Getting Things Done. And for me, when I started to pull back some, I realized I could get more done in less time. I could relax, and I could come from a place of the present moment instead of what's next, what's next, the uncertainty of it, and, and worrying about everything. It all came together for me. And so it sounds like that's exactly what happened with you and, and dialing it back because we feel guilty when we do that. I should be working harder. I should have this stress on me. I should not be sleeping as well as I'm doing. I should be in this state of kind of panic, a panic that we don't ever give up on, right? So the GTD, I'm, I'm, that's great you talked about that because <laughs> that's also how I became a product, how I called myself. I was an Ayurvedic 
health, I am an Ayurvedic health counselor, but I call myself a productivity consultant because what was out there and still I think is this, so GTD is getting things done. It's creating a whole nother system, yes. <laughs> which I think just, it satisfies the fire people. Cause it's like, now I'm doing something. Yeah. In my, in my work with clients, we don't do any of that. Like yeah. it's, it's basically like you had all those projects going on. Do you need them all? You know, choose the best ones. And how can you choose what's most important by settling down the mind? So putting in all the um, tools into your life routines, that's what the new billable hour is just putting in routines in. So then you're like, oh, what's important. I work with a lot of women and men who have, who are families, right? Have children. And, and they're kind of like, I can't do all these things. I'm like, you can't. You know, you're, so it's it's acknowledging that you can't and we have to pick and choose all of the time. It's it's a lifelong practice. Right. So we choose and the organization comes when you create space. Right. And there's tons of people that can help. And I hire people all the time. Like, how do I make money? How do I package things? How do, so that's like skills or hard skills, I guess. And then what I'm talking about is if you're not ready for that and if you're still going to burn yourself out, no amount of skills are going to change what you're doing. And I, and I think even if you leave the law and then you go into another job, that may be if a better fit for you. But if you didn't unwind those habits, you may do those things in the next job, the next lawyer job, the next, you know, next whatever. Well, I'm glad you said that because I did use getting things done to uber organize everything, every project mm -hmm. I had going and all that. And then there was another training that I took, which sounds exactly aligned with what you're saying. Another training I took where it said it was for attorneys and it said, fire your C, D, and F clients, right? A, A to F, fire them and only focus on your A and B and then create the space for more A and B yeah. to come in. And so when yep. all that got put together and I backed it off and, and when I talk about fire, there was this fire, you know, that we talked about fire, there was this huge fire in me. And so what I likened it to was like a lighter where you can adjust the flame on it, where you're just pulling that flame from the highest level to 50% or six for you said, you said 75%, but just a couple notches of that fire. If you just reduce it a little bit and you put some of these things together that you and I both teach massive shifts, right? I mean, total awareness of the opportunity to work less, but make, well, if you have your own firm, make more like happened with me and then delegate, that was really difficult for me was delegating stuff that we all think as lawyers, we are the only ones that can do what we do. We are the only ones that have to, we have to take on everything. And I realized that there was so many things that I wasn't good at, but I was doing that someone else was better at. So then I took a look at everything I was doing and said, what it, is it that I really love to do? What do I like and love? Right. And I started giving away all the stuff that was kind of at the bottom of the likes and then the stuff I really didn't like. And that really helped me too. And, and if you have an opportunity to take a look at, you know, the, the like, love, hate stuff that I teach in Esquire Academy, and you can delegate stuff that helps as well. I wanted to say when you're saying that for lawyers, I think it's one of the few professions where being a lawyer is our identity. And we have these control issues because it's like, oh, if I let go of that, someone's not going to do a good job. I'm ultimately liable. And we are. <laughs> I mean, I had staff. I, I mean, it, there's a whole host of other problems. People also come to me like, oh, I've delegated to staff and they make mistakes and all that stuff. Things are getting better now, I think, when people are getting specialized. But this idea of this identity and that's that's ego and and we, we worked for it, though. 
you know, like when people think that lawyers become lawyers to make money, I'm like, there are way easier ways to make money <laughs> and where you don't become this other person. So this, this identity and that, that, that causes us to become more controlling, have difficulties elegant because the things we're saying, I mean, I, I hope our listeners get this. Like, it's not difficult. <laughs> what we're talking about is not the actual things when we figure out what to do. Implementation's fine. It's this gap where we're in that state of stress and of overwhelm and pulling back and then seeing seeing ourselves for who we are and how we got here, which is what the work you all do. And we do these, and I think you do a lot of like skills tests or strengths. And so when we start looking at ourselves, that's really hard for lawyers because we spend our whole lives, people say like K to JD, our whole lives to become lawyers. It's like, well, you want me to like look at something else? You want me to look at myself? Like I... Just perform. I'm a performer and, or, you know, achiever. And if I do that, I get the response I want. This has gone back to our childhood from school. We're all, we all love school. We love to read. Look at Casey's books behind him, <laughs> you know? So that's, that's, that's us. His daughter. And it's like... That's his daughter. <laughs> and we, um, we feel at home and it's a part of our identity. And so uh, you probably see this if people want to leave the law, like you can leave the law, like if that's not it, but who, but who are we And that process of figuring out who we are is so liberating and it's challenging though. It's hard. Well, interestingly enough, part of the challenge in leaving the law, because you know, I've studied Casey's work and help him with some of it. He's the master, but part of the challenge in leaving is that we are so wrapped up in the identity of the ESQ at the end of our name that it's really difficult to let that go. And so Casey, why don't you share with us just a, a couple blurbs on the challenge that we have, no matter whether we're happy in the law or not, that, you know, we, we just think we're a lawyer and that's our entire identity. Yeah. Well, Ritu, you say it. I mean, it's easy to leave the law. You move forward. You understand what you're good at, put a resume together and start getting out there and network and connect with people, right? Sure. It's not a lateral and there's certain nuances and you have to learn a few things, but, you know, the steps are there. There, it's not by coincidence that what we put together, leave the law, the first module, the first step is about overcoming your fears. And step two is literally called identity and being able to understand how to, with a new identity. And the third step's about money and their issues. It's not until four and five towards the end where we even get into your resume and jobs. And there's a reason that is, is because like you just said, whether you're staying in the law or whether you want to leave it, there is just all of this baggage here. And I hear questions about lawyers who want to leave the law. I mean, they have admitted, it's not for me. This isn't the work for me. I want to do something else. My nephew told me about this, this, and this. I'm excited about it. And they just have, well, will people still think I'm smart? What about all my return on investment and everything I spent on law school? And on and on and on. And uh, that identity, those beliefs, all of that is, is still there. And that's one of the biggest, the slowest part when, when they're looking to leave the law. So one thing that I know we do that, that I see is that you mentioned in theory, it's easy, but like when it comes to meditation, I would just love real quickly your thoughts on it. We've heard a lot of lawyers roll their eyes at it or pay lip service to it. You know, ironically for me, I've learned it as it's like a superpower. It gets me in the zone. I can literally shift. How do you help these type A lawyers uh, actually meditate and slow down? And, and maybe our listeners can, can take some, some inspiration or action from you. Yeah, I want to I, I want to quickly say respond to what you were talking about about identity and what people want in your lessons. The same thing with my clients. They'll say, "I want to be with my kids more." Yeah, men and women say this. I want to be with my kids more. I want to have hobbies. Okay, 
and they have like lots of un, you know started projects and they want to do that and so they know what they want it's the same disconnect right but yeah. it's like oh but my dad is a lawyer and if I don't, i'm not lawyering i feel guilty so it's the same thing i, I think you asked yeah. me in the beginning how can you love law it's the same tension That's okay great. mindfulness i won't say her name but i'm going to thank one of my clients who did like a review for me. And I was like, oh yeah, that's, <laughs> that's how people think of it is. So mindfulness is the mind, right? And we're always using our mind. So this is a way to take care of our mind. Yeah. And it's, it's there, it's like the only way <laughs> is, you know, we can call it meditation we call it mindfulness, but the only way to actually help us maintain this identity, maintain this high level of working to be more productive, to get the clarity is to take care of our minds. Uh, I think more people are getting into it. I will say that what the resistance is, is similar to what everyone's feeling. People want immediate results with anything. So, okay. I, I literally have had one of my clients be like, yeah. yeah, but like, if I have a glass of scotch, I know that works. <laughs> Can you explain how meditation and, he, and, and this is, and this is a believer paid money to do a program <laughs> actually was meditating. And it's like, I'm skeptical. So that's, I want to say that the skeptical part, I, it's fine. That's what makes us wonderful as lawyers, right? We're questioning and we should question. And I saw um, someone who did the Ayurveda program with me um, a few years ago, she posted something about discipline, how self-discipline there's self-discipline and then there's forced discipline and i think that's what we're talking about so forced discipline they said it's, it feels good at the beginning but it doesn't stay and then self-discipline is it's there's discomfort in the beginning and there are a variety of benefits so in my with my clients it's like it's hard for me to watch though because i'm seeing them struggle and they're just like i just paid all this money and now you're just like making me meditate and I don't like it and I'm not seeing results and and we're used to in this world when people are selling programs like you're going to feel better right away you feel terrible I'm like how can that be that you'll feel better right away so I think that's the resistance so many people have told me I tried to meditate and it didn't work <laughs> and you know not to scare the listeners this is a lifelong thing and it's like you don't know when it's going to work. It's, it's, it's basically it's it, in the beginning can be a detox as well. I've, I've taught it this way that when you sit still, when you haven't your mind, all the stuff that you have not let yourself think about is going to come up and it feels terrible. So I think that's what it is, but lawyers don't want to say so that overachieving, I think that's the resistance. And I think both of you will agree. And we could tell our listeners that gets better. That's the investment. And if you do it with one of us, if you do it with a coach or, with a community, you'll be fine. You know, there's going to be, dis it's discomfort. We're not used to being uncomfortable, um, doing nothing and being uncomfortable. It's like, there must be something we have to do. I'm not doing it right. I'm not getting the results. We're so results oriented. And this is a long game. It's mm -hmm. a total process. And when I first started to meditate and, and get more mindful, present moment, whatever you want to call it, it's all interrelated. It was difficult because our minds are like a hamster in a hamster wheel. They continually go and go. And then when you say, okay, I want to, I want to stop that hamster wheel from going. We have an inborn habit that we're taught in society that this is just what happens. You just think, 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 and you never shut the mind off. And it, it is like a detox for me. It, it was keeping my body still for five minutes and my mind. When you do both of those things, I mean, I've had lots of these practitioners that have taught me things and that was a real hurdle for me, not just quieting the mind, but then staying still for five minutes and then 10 minutes and then a half an hour, but it, it's a process. And, and we do have the, the fast food mentality in this country and it, and it 
permeating the world is that we want it yesterday. And if we're going to pay money, we want immediate results. You said it so perfectly, Ritu. But if you want to get to a place where you can quiet the mind and you can control the mind and have an ability to stop your thoughts so that you're just present, you have to start somewhere. And so, yes, they pay you a lot of money because you're a master practitioner at this. And it's difficult for most people to pick up a book like The Presence Process by Michael Brown, which is an amazing book on how to get present, you know, or, or pick up The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. I kept searching after that book, searching and searching because he wasn't giving me anything to put into practice, right? And then I found some people that I paid a lot of money to to teach me how to do this. And it is about sitting down and just implementing it. You can't get immediate results because it's it's like taking this belief system that you've had your whole life and thinking it's going to change in a moment's notice. It doesn't. And so kudos to you for working with your your clients on this because it really is you know, enlightenment to me is being able to take the mind, shut it off because it's that ego mind that continues with the fear-based thoughts, the worry. And, you know, they're all fear-based thoughts. They're love and fear. That's all we have. But if we can just stop that circle, the hamster wheel, and be able to get into a balanced place where you can just be in the moment and, and then direct your thought, right? I mean, that's Deepak Chopra directing your thoughts instead of having your thoughts control you you can direct them it's not so much control which is what we all search for as as lawyers but it's about being able to direct them and take over from that ego mind and and live from the heart as you know I'm a heart heart mass certified trainer and the heart has its own consciousness. You know, some people talk about the gut consciousness. Well, there's about 3,000 neural cells in the gut. There's 40,000 in, in, the, in the heart. And so if we begin to sink down into our heart, and heart math is a science-based process where you link up your heart and your mind, there's so much power there. When you're, you're living in your head, you're frazzled, you're stressed, you, know, you want to call it your heart, your gut, whatever, it doesn't matter. Drop down into the place where I believe your, your soul is connected. I hate to use that term and attorneys will cringe at that, but it's okay. Open up to it. But tell us more about your books. I'd love to know more about your books and, and what you teach in them because you're, you're willing to give people that are listening to this a free copy of your book? Yes. Holy moly. Wow. Okay. It's for cool. the holidays. Nice. <laughs> the first book is The New Billable Hour. And I don't know if, Adam, I invite you to read it because... Uh, maybe not for you now because you found other things, but it is a practical book for lawyers. It's the entry level, like, I'm kind of interested in this. I'm stressed out. I don't even, whether they love the law, whether they want to leave the law, where do you start? You know, I'm just, I'm feeling really imbalanced. I don't know. I don't know who to talk to, what to do. And it is about, it's mindfulness. So basically I took the idea of the billable hour and thought, okay, what if lawyers build themselves? Because we understand how, we always say we don't have enough time. Everybody does, but especially lawyers. Like, I don't have enough time for self-care. If I wrote a book like, do self-care, they'd be like, yeah, 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 I'll get to that. But instead, it's like, the bill. what is that? <laughs> so the new billable hour is building yourself one hour per day. It's a self-help book. It has a whole uh, program in there. That is my signature program. Of course, like anything, people can use the book and do it on their own. If they want to work with me, they can. If they want community, accountability. And I have an online course about it, but it is six lessons and it breaks down the billable, the new billable hour into 
increments of 0.1 or 0.2. So six minutes of meditation. There's a 12 minute lunch break, which um, I beta test everything. And that's not what it was going to be. And I, I beta tested and I'm like, okay, so I was going to do nutrition because it's Ayurveda and like, like all these lifestyle things about balancing our fire. And everyone's like, we don't eat lunch. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> um, and so then I was like testing it on myself. I'm like, how long do we really need to eat lunch? Because there's this whole idea, you have to take a lunch hour, you have to make a whole big thing. And I know when we do that, it does, it, you know, in the beginning, that could see, feel like it's a, you're going away from work. But then this idea of 10 to 15 minutes, stop working, eat some food, whatever that is for you. I don't even care if it's nutritious, like get, get into a routine. And so everything is that simple. And 100% of my clients and people and readers have said, like, it's so doable. There's no way for the skeptical <laughs> attorney mind to be like, I can't do that. Uh, there's a morning routine, an evening routine, connecting with nature, which is like so broad. It's six minutes. We know we need to do that. You can look out the window for six minutes. <laughs> you can like look at a, a photo on your computer. Like I don't even care. You can water your plant. And those things, we know this, there's tons of data that all of these things connect us back to ourselves. Um, there's a movement lesson. So that's the new billable hour. And you, and you, and it's a certain, you know, I created it and I love it so much, <laughs> even though it's been three years because the order that I, it's all intentional based on all everything that I've done in my life. And so the order I do it, how to do it, if people do it exactly, like I say in the book, they'll have results because, but people don't to tell you the truth, <laughs> people read it and they're like, that's great. Thank you. And you helped me. I'm like, okay. And then they go back to their lives, but clients who work with me, all lives are changed. I just have like an eight week course and it's like, oh my gosh. And because they don't realize, I'll tell everybody the secret, you and the, and the listeners, it's, it's the practices are like, I didn't make them up. It's not like, whoa, we had no idea we should eat lunch and meditate and move our bodies. It's not like, thank you for telling us. It's this idea that we have the power, everything we've been talking about, we have the power to decide what we're going to do. And if you just do that, even, you know, for a month, six weeks. If you keep making that intention, I'm going to intend to eat lunch for 12 minutes and you don't have to, right? <laughs> but just the idea that you, that that's important enough to you, something shifts. And I see it like I have an eight week course, four weeks in, and I just see it in my client's eyes. They're just like, oh, like I don't do all these things, but like, I know I can, and I know it's a choice. And I know like, when I decided not to have lunch and I decided to do my email, like that was my choice. And so it's unwinding what we were talking about, unwinding this whole idea of we don't have any control. We have to feel a certain way. It's kind of like, oh, I'm choosing this. And how can you teach that? Right. How can you tell someone that they'll be like, no, I don't, I don't believe that. That's, that's book number one. And of course people would complete that. And we're like, we well, want more. I'm like, oh no, I have to write a second book. Um, and I'm working on my third. So the second book is the holistic lawyer, which is, I think how, what you read, Adam, yes. how, you, how you found me. That's how um, I found you. Yeah, it was great. That's like level two. And it is more about a lot of what you were talking about, that emotional intelligence, that connecting, basically it's the holistic lawyer, how to work smarter, not harder. And it's this idea of brain integration, both sides of the brain, but also integrating head, heart, and gut. So all of the things you were talking about, bringing all of that into the practice of law to increase your productivity. If you're coming in um, not, more open and not pushing a lot will get and, and connecting in with the higher higher intentions your work your mission will get pushed forward and so 
yeah, so there's there's things in there about how can we use all parts of ourselves in our lawyering because we don't. We just it's like literally, I think that a big majority of lawyers are just in that amygdala, like they're in that fight or flight, right. and it's and we're so smart. I think everybody here and everybody listening, we're so smart. We and remember the fire, we can get so much done. You know, from an emergency mode. <laughs> and so, but that's just not how we're built. And it's also, it's a shame because we can do so much more in your law job, in a different law job, in a not law job. You don't even need to work. I don't care. But as humans existing, like, are we looking at our heart? Are we, are we going deeper? Are we bringing creativity in? Are we using the parts of our brains, like when we're calmer to access higher order thinking? come up with new ways to do things, right? And it's opposed to that reactive, like this is how it's been done. And I just, if I just do it long enough and hard enough, then I'm going to get to where I want to be instead of like, why not figure out a new way? So creativity is big. It's kind of, it's the book, the book everybody loves. Of course, there's a lot of like this breakthroughs because it's dealing on that next level. Oh, I decided that I'm the one who decides my life and then it's like oh what's underneath that <laughs> what's underneath that so that's that and then the I just want to quick about my third book that I'm working on now I was supposed to um I was on track to release it in 2020 and and then I was like <laughs> but I was also like is this the time I don't know like I, yeah so I worked on other projects which I'm very happy about but it's the lawyer leader and what's the third level? Leadership. And, and and that's kind of interesting, 2020 leadership. Lawyers are the leaders of our time. And this doesn't mean politics. It could be. They're great. We have great colleagues who are going to politics. But being a leader of your family, of your law firm, you know, even a small law firm, you have one staff member, a leader for your clients. Because look at that person who's spinning out. The clients are looking for leadership. And the, if the attorney's not stable, the clients can't be stable. And your families, parents, like I work, I'm not a parent, but I work with a lot of parents. Like, how can you be a leader or just with your peers as a mentor in the community? And the basis for all of that is self-leadership. It's actually, you'll appreciate this, Adam. It's actually like a aligning your chakras. <laughs> I have seven leadership principles and I wrote it first, first draft. And then I was like telling my editor, I'm like, I think this is the chakras. I just have to like move it around a little. She's go. like, I don't think, and she's actually like, no, lawyers aren't going to like that. And now I'm like, I'm doing what I want. <laughs> now I think and they're and much so we're more open. They're much, we're, yeah. we are as a profession, much more open to all yeah. of this need to be. We really do. Uh, but yeah, because the chakra, it's not that it's, it's, there's a throat chakra about speech. There's a heart chakra about compassion. You know, there's a, um, the solar plexus about power in our core. I mean, like there's it, it we already talk about this stuff and if we can focus on those things and keep aligning ourselves again we can be leaders of ourselves and in the profession and change the profession because we need leadership right now well the ancients figured out the chakras i mean the, the chinese acupuncture and the meridians and all that but science is now proving that those energy centers are there and they they if you work them and you open up to them and you open them there's a lot of power in the, the energy flow that goes from the top to the bottom, you know, and, and it just goes in a circle. And so I've studied it in, intently. And one of the reasons I wanted to have you on this show is because the combination of your two books, now I have not read the first and I will, the combination of your two books are, there's so many fingers in your books that are in my book, Raising the Bar, and there's two or three more that I'm going to write. And so I wanted to hear your perspective on it and you're, you, you bring a different perspective. We all do. Right. And so 
tell us how can they get a free copy of your book? They, they set a, a consultation with you to, to chat? So definitely should set a consultation. That's always. If you schedule a consultation, I'll um, send you the PDF. And right now, even if you're not ready for that, maybe people are not ready, um, send me an email. Um, R-I-T-U at newbillablehour.com. So Perfect. You're too. And, and um, just send me an email saying that you, that you are a listener and that you would want a, a free copy of the book, and I will send you a PDF. Also, it's available wherever you buy books. I have recorded an audible, well, not just audible, audiobook, um, an ebook. So available everywhere. And you can, and my website is my name. So it's ritugoswami.com where you can get more information. So I have a podcast that I've been doing for a year. I just released this week is episode 51. And I was going to not continue, but the stars, everyone's telling me to continue. So it's just me talking. <laughs> it's called the New Billable Hour podcast. And it was supposed to be a little expansion of the New Billable Hour, but it's more like what we were talking about today, just different concepts, different lessons, really spiritual lessons for lawyers. And they're about 10 minutes. And I start and end with some breathing. And cool. please, please go back and binge watch wherever you get your audio. And I also have a YouTube channel. Well, we are very appreciative that you've been with us today to share your expertise. But I also want to thank you for the work you're doing in the world because we need more lawyers like you and me and Casey taking their gifts and sharing it with the world and, and teaching lawyers how to live a better life. I mean, when you said, you know, helping lawyers, changing the law one lawyer at a time, that's how it happens. That's how things change. And so I want to thank you for the work you're doing, continue ramping it up. And I just totally appreciate you and, and everything you're doing. So thank you for being with us. Thank you for everything you're doing and keep doing it. Thank you. You too. Exactly. We, need to, we need to keep getting this message out to everybody. This is it. it. Yeah. Thank you for your work. Thanks for having me. Yes. Lots more thank you. Thank you <laughs> Thanks everybody for joining us. Check Ritu's workout, get a copy of her book, read it. And, uh, you know, if you're on the fence and, you know, like, I'm not sure whether I'm going to stay in the law or leave the law, we've got all kinds of resources for you between the three of us, man, we've got tremendous resources, but I want to thank you for listening and being a part of this and the community and have yourself a good day and, and study, learn, grow, open up to new modalities. It's the way that the three of us have changed our lives. And it's really the only way you can get to where you want to go. That power of intentionality, Ritu said it, the power of intentionality is so powerful. When you set your sights on something, you put your mind in a certain direction, you can achieve almost anything you ever dreamt of. So be well, stay safe, and thank you for being here.